This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome, everybody, to this week's show. I'm Alex Goff, editor-in-chief of RugbyMag.com and Rugby Magazine, and joined today by Bruce McLean in New York City and Pat Clifton in Kansas City. Now, we had a, an earlier interview that we'll be showing uh, – showing – Right, you, we can't have you see it yet. Maybe that's sometime in the future. We have an early interview that we'll be playing for you that uh, that Bruce and I were able to get in on, but um, Pat was was on the road driving back from Dallas, so he wasn't able to be on, in on that one. And uh, we have a, a, a great interview with Inaki Basari coming up. But before we get into that, uh, first of all, a reminder that the Rugga Matrix America show is brought to you by the USA Sevens International Rugby Tournament, which is in Las Vegas, February 11 and 12. And you really – you really should go to this, and 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 if you go, rem- you got to remember that you're not going to sleep because you're going to be watching rugby all day, and you can go to the Las Vegas Invitational the days before, so you'll be watching rugby all day, and then you'll be having fun all night. So really, bank your sleep beforehand, uh, so you can get the full enjoyment of that. Go to usa7s.com for information on the USA Sevens Rugby Tournament in February, and uh, we've got everybody in right now. Um, Bruce, you're here. Pat, you're here. Yeah, Bruce is here. I, I just went to Mike, Petty, Mike Petrie's wedding this weekend, and it was quite a bit of fun. I got to say that Mike is um, – he's really in love. There was there was a whole lot of love. I, I don't think I've seen a wedding with so much love in my entire life. I had an unbelievable time, and uh, and I had been watching my figure until that time, and 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 I and I fell off the, I fell off the figure watching wagon. No as, more. As as it was an Italian wedding, I, I didn't have a whole lot of choice but to slam down pasta as if I had never seen it before, and then uh, Pat driving back from Dallas was probably doing. Uh, you haven't told anyone, Pat, that you're going to be a guest host on Drivers Diamond Drivers. Diners, drive-ins, and dives, and you and you made a little bit of practice on your way back from Dallas. That's some good stuff. I think that you'll be a great host of that show because that's that's where that's where the expertise really comes in. If they only had dive bars in it instead of just dive restaurants, yeah, maybe the late night version. I would be uh, more suited to to host. No, I don't think Golden Corral would make much for uh, the Food Network. I think that's where we stopped on the way back. The Golden so with Corral. My boys, with my boys, it's either the dollar cheeseburgers at, at McDonald's or we're splurging for the cheapest buffet within a five-mile radius. So when I'm traveling with my team, that's, that's usually what we end up doing. Well, I'll tell you, the Golden Corral might be one of the greatest inventions in history. I remember going down to Florida for the ITTs. Me and Chuck Denigian lived there, <laughs> essentially. But that all being said, we have a great show upcoming, and Anaki is has a great interview that Alex is going to play for you right now. Yeah, so this is uh, Inaki Basari, uh, USA flanker, and uh, he, he kindly had some uh, time for us visiting his family in Paris. So uh, this is uh, Bruce and me talking with Anaki. We also have a, a, a great guest today, and that is uh, somebody who knows Mike pretty well. Uh, played with Mike on the uh, USA Under-19 team uh, many, many years ago, and that is Inaki Basori, the uh, flanker for the United States 
and a player for L'Aquila and Inaki. Uh, was born in Mexico, born in Monterey, and grew up in the Maryland area, played for the Maryland Exiles U19 program. And uh, as I said, he made the U19 national team back in the early 2000s, played uh, on the team in, in 2002. And I remember seeing him at the uh, – uh, the Fe- International Festival of Youth in Cocoa Beach, Florida in 2003 when they played Canada and uh, uh, went on to co-captain the U19s and uh, when they went to France. And he actually really didn't leave France. He ended up staying there and playing for Massy and La Maison and Argen. Uh, professionally and continued to play professionally now at L'Aquila in Italy and and kind of a weird international uh, uh, career for, for Inaki too and I, and I guess Inaki, welcome to the show. I'm going to ask you the, the first one is about this. You, you were on the U19 national team and then really we hardly heard anything about you um, except occasional reports from from France that you're still playing, and then bang, you're back on the national. Te- you're on the national team in 2007, playing the World Cup, and then we really don't see much from you except uh, a couple of a couple of games in 2008. But you re- we really don't see much of you again until until uh, recently. So it's it's yeah. been kind of a you know we we see you we don't see you we see you, we don't see you but you're you've been playing and and working hard that whole time. So what's that been like? Yes. Um, well, well, following the 2000 World Cup, I, I I had my first season in Aizen, which was which was incredible. I mean, Kevin Thorne could probably talk to you about that as well. It's a very incredible experience playing at a top level professionally and. Uh, just learning every single day from like the best coaches in France uh, how to play rugby, basically, and uh, it, it was wonderful. And um, and then uh, Scott Jano called me up for the for the November tour, and uh, I think it was 2008, and um, uh, played played uh, the, the games against Uruguay in, in Utah, and then went to play Japan and in, in uh, Japan, which was a great tour, and got to see all my friends again. And then basically after uh, after Jano got a, um, uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, just separated himself from USA Rugby. Um, the new coach that came in, which was Eddie Osavlo, and just decided to, to to try new new combinations and new players, which was which was okay. And I mean, I, I kept working hard and kept trying to trying to get his attention. And and finally, and last year he he brought me up to play in November. Against um, against the Saracens in a friendly match in Portugal and Georgia and uh, Scotland, and I ended up playing a lot and uh, and uh, just worked really hard to to try and get on the team. And he he saw a lot of improvement between my 2008 performances and my performances recently, and decided to to have me on the squad, which I'm ecstatic about. Excellent. Now you. While you were playing professionally, you say you're learning from a lot of these coaches. You're also working on your game. You went from, oh, you like I say, you you were a pretty skinny kid in 2003, and you're not a skinny yeah. kid anymore. You're about what are you six five? And uh, I'm yeah six five. Six, I'm a uh, hundred ten kilos right yeah, now. Yeah, hundred about. 
240 pounds, I'm guessing. Right, about 240 pounds, and 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 you yeah. you you model your game. Uh, you know, you you like to be really uh, make a big impact off that restart. You like to be the first one to make a tackle or to go up in the air and grab the ball. That's a big part of your game. But you've you just developed um, a game. You've developed a, a, a an Anaki Basari way of approaching, and 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 how would you characterize that? How would you say, you know, what are your strengths? What are the things that you like to to do when you you get on the field? Um, basically, that that kickoff is just basically I, I just tell myself, and you know, it's the the standard's got to be set. You know, if there's a big hit or a big uh, turnover or something, it's just gonna pick everyone up. And I mean, it's 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 very uh, easy. The ball's in the air, and like nobody's looking at you. So basically, when the the guy catches it, you you can you can if you take a good line and 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 time it, you can you can like be at catching the ball or, or putting it in a big hit. And um, I mean, it's it's a it's pretty. The, I think the easiest part uh, part of the game because it's like no one's actually looking at you, and, and uh, he doesn't see where you're coming from. So so it's an easy approach, and I think that's just the. Uh, just to set the game, you know, the, the aggressiveness and everything. And um, basically, I, I like my defensive game. I think I'm, I'm, I'm very aggressive, sometimes too aggressive. Sometimes I, 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 I pursue too much or I, or I don't take a good line or I hit the ruck too, too fast and I don't get low enough. There's things I need to work on to just uh, calm myself down a little bit more while I'm on the field. But, I mean... Just in France, the, the 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 French game is is very aggressive. I mean, when I was playing in the third division, there was a lot of fights, a lot of things like that. That kind of got got stayed with me and just kind of kept my aggressiveness up. What's the difference between playing in Italy and playing in France? Is there much of a difference? Yeah, in in France, basically the the French game is very. Very, how do you say? Very um, um, improvisational. You know, they have they have set pieces and set set moves and everything, but they work a lot off offloads and pass after contact and and things like that to to keep the game more fluid. You know, and uh, in Italy, and I mean these kids have been playing since they're since they're young. You know, since they're nine, eight, nine years old, so they know the basic techniques about passing, tackling, rucking, and everything. So it's a, a much quicker game. When I went to Italy, um, you had uh, in each team very, very good, experienced players, some Italian, some not Italian, but you also had uh, just very good athletes who were maybe the second or third year playing the game. And um, it's, it was a slower game, and it was more organized as in, like, uh, phase play, what we need to do at phases and everything. And they were a lot into into um, the scrums and uh, lineouts, and they were very technical in, in those situations. But um, uh, uh, skill-wise, it's it's not as advanced as it is in as it is in, um, in France because these 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 guys have been playing not as not as long as as the French players have. Have you gotten a chance to play against Louis Stanfield or Nick Johnson? I did not get a chance to play against Louis Stanfield because um, I got injured in the in the final game of the November tests against Georgia, and the first game coming back from the November test was against Louis' team, which was a bummer. I was really looking forward to playing with against him, and I mean he's a he's a great athlete and he's an, an awesome number eight, you know. So so when you get to play against guys like that, it, it really tests you as a flanker. 
but um, unfortunately I got injured. And Nick Johnson, I have not had the pleasure of of playing against, but I've trained with him, and he's a very physical guy, I must say. Do you prefer the chaos or the or the lack of structure in the game in France, or do you prefer the more structured approach in Italy, and for probably more similar to America and that, and 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 England and those kind of places? Which do you think suits you best, and uh, and and how how and how and why do you? Why do you choose to play this way? Why, which way would you choose to play, given your druthers? Well, I actually like the way the French play because it's a very, it's a very fluid uh, uh, game. I mean, it's very fast, and and um, but I also wa- I wanted to learn how to play that uh, standardized, you know, um, phase play to to kind of improve like on on my overall game, uh, especially on my tack because uh, you don't see me a lot with the ball because I. I don't take good lines or or things like that, and I wanted to get more confident running the ball, which was another reason why I went to Italy because over there they 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 prefer running the forwards off of rucks and and things like that and a catering plays for for the big guys. So so um, but I guess I, I like I like them both. I, I love France because it's so physical and so aggressive, and when guys run at you, they don't back down. They they test you constantly and. Um, and uh, but in in Italy, you know, it's more programmed, which is kind of easier to to handle when you're when you're attacking with the ball, you know. But I mean, uh, I guess I would prefer France because it's just a lot more physical. Well, Inaki, uh, you you got injured, and actually, Nick Johnson joined your club, Laquilla. What kind of role did you have in in getting him there? Did you did you recommend him at all? Um, Nick Johnson, I, I actually met in November. I had never met him before. And um, he was my roommate. And uh, since I hadn't been in the U.S. team for 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 the last uh, two years, um, he was basically the one helping me every day with calls, line-out calls, um, moves, uh, game situations, and things like that. Just basically getting me up to date with the system that Eddie was uh, running. And uh, he, I mean, he was just a massive help, and he's an amazing athlete. I mean, he's a big guy. He runs fast. He's a hard runner, and he's a hard man. You know, he's a he's one of the guys I kind of look up to in the in the team. And when I, I got hurt in November, and uh, the coaches were asking me if I if I knew anybody that can cover, you know, eight man's third row or second row, you know, uh, a big guy. I was like, the first guy I thought of was was Nick Johnson, and. I, I put them in contact with Nick Johnson and and had him over. I think a couple of weeks after that, which I'm I'm happy for him because he he turned a lot of heads in Italy and there's a lot of clubs looking for him in Italy right now because he's just such a a physical presence in the game and he he runs the the ball so hard that you know he turned a lot of heads playing against other teams in Italy. Yeah, I think the uh, the headline in one of the newspapers was uh, Laquila can't win with just one Nick Johnson. Yeah, um, and and he's a free agent, so I, I guess he's looking for, for for work at the moment. Um, uh, you were you were born in Mexico, and yeah. you, you don't hear about a lot of rugby players coming from Mexico. When when did you move to the United States? And um, do, do you do you think about whether you can get more Latin American guys playing rugby? Is that something that ever ever comes up, or you know, why do you think perhaps not so many guys are playing that game? 
why not so many Americans are playing again? Well, not so many Latin American guys are playing oh. in, either in America or, or I mean, it, it depends on your, uh, you know, uh, w- whether you whether you sort of retain con- remain connected to Mexico much or at all. Um, I, I stay very in contact with Mexico because, because most of my my family is is in Mexico. Okay. I, I moved to the states in 1993. I was I think uh, seven or eight years old. Uh, my dad is a journalist, so he he was moved to 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 work in Washington D.C. and and brought my whole family, my mom and my brother. And um, I basically got introduced to rugby while I was in high school by some friends. I was playing uh, American football like most big big guys in the in in the U.S. do. If you're big and and you're not very athletic, you know they stick you in the lineman, which which I, I played a defensive end, you know so. So it was it was all right, but you know I didn't get to carry the ball, and uh, basically got introduced to rugby, and that's all they did. They were, they gave me the ball, you know, to run with. So basically, fell in love with the game, and um, and it took off from there. Um, as a Latin American, I mean, you're when when you're in Mexico, or when you're in any Latin American country, or even Latin Americans in in the U.S., um, they're not introduced to rugby. You know, they're not. They're very exposed to rugby. Uh, living in Mexico was like, you know, you play soccer or or baseball or basketball. I mean, basketball is a big thing, but I mean, you just play recreationally. But rugby is a nobody knows anything about rugby. My family in the in Mexico didn't know what rugby was until I started playing and being selected for the U.S. national side. So, but I think, uh, I mean, race doesn't come into it. I mean, rugby is just a a game for people who like to be physical, who like the 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 action there's in rugby, hitting people, running with the ball, you know, the speed of the game. And I mean, I, I don't think I think it's just being exposed to the sport more than than what race or what what country you come from. I mean, you talk to Brazilians. I mean, all they do is play soccer, rather because that's what they're born with. You know, they they're born with a soccer ball in there in their crib, but you go to New Zealand and it's rugby, you know? So it's just basically how you're exposed to it and, and what what kind of person you are if you like that type of game. Um, I got a quick question. What is your build-up going to be like to the World Cup? Like, um, what are you doing with yourself to prepare yourself for the World Cup? When are you going into, uh, into camp with the Eagles? What are you, what are you guys doing there? And then... Uh, you know, what's your basically your calendar look like headed to the World Cup, and what's your own personal preparation outside of team preparation going to be like leading up to the World Cup? Well, following the Churchill Cup, um, I, I decided to take a week off and come and see my family. My 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 wife is is French, and and I have two babies, so I wanted to spend that week with them before I I head out to the states and start training. Um, I'm going to be training the whole month of July in Denver with some of the other guys just uh, working on fitness and strength. Since I'm still not 100% from my, from my shoulder, I, I need to get that, you know, handled and get bigger and stronger and fitter, you know, get as fit as possible for the World Cup. And in August, um, if, I'm, if I'm selected to go with, with the team, we have, we have uh, three test matches, two against Canada and one against Japan. So I guess we're, it's just going to be like an assembly, like um, – like the Churchill Cup, I'm, that's what I'm guessing, and um, just basically get our systems down and 
and uh, get ready for the World Cup in, in that fashion. But personally, I just want to get uh, stronger in my upper body, my, my shoulder, so I can go into the, uh, if I'm selected, go into the World Rugby World Cup uh, confident with my shoulder and my, my fitness, you know. And in, Inaki, you've you've played on the national team under a, a bunch of different coaches, and each time it seems like you jump in there and you have to learn something pretty quick. Uh, like you were talking about getting uh, having Nick Johnson help you get up to speed with uh, with Eddie O'Sullivan's team on the November tour, and uh, now now you're going into your you hope your second World Cup. Uh, this time under Eddie O'Sullivan, and last time it was uh, Peter Thorburn. Um, what's the difference between their two styles, styles of coaching, and, and perhaps what they expect from someone playing uh, playing back row? Um, well, I'm going to start off with uh, Peter Thorburn because he's the one basically who brought me into the USA Eagles. Um, he, I mean, he's basically, uh, uh, he's from New Zealand, so he has a, a New Zealand type of approach to the game. He's very, very into into the, the speed of the game and um, and uh, and um, just uh, just attacking the line with with the forwards and and uh, basically creating, getting the attacks to to question what I mean, the defense to question what you're going to do next, you know. And uh, Eddie O'Sullivan, uh, he he's more of um, he he has a uh, he has a more uh, style to cater to to us. You know, he 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 sets us up in a in a certain situation that we understand what we're what what we're doing better and why we're doing things. And he's like in trainings, everything's very organized, and he explains to you basically your role and everything. And I mean, from from a third point third row uh, perspective. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just not that different, you know, because you're you're always in the action. But he actually explains more your role, you know, which is which is good to have. Where do you feel that you know where where you are with the team now, or is it is this the time that everyone is just really getting nervous about? You know, am I going to make the team? And you know, where, you know, what do I need to do to 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 push me over the edge so I can make sure that I'm on that World Cup squad. I can imagine, in a way, it's kind of a nerve-wracking time. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty nerve-wracking time, but um, basically, uh, be, before every game and before every training, Eddie keeps repeating to us, you know, you never know when it's going to be your last selection, when it's going to be your last game, if you're going to get injured, sick, or just not selected, you know, so he, he always... Uh, motivates us to work the hardest every single time we're wearing the jersey or the practice jersey or in the weight room or you know so basically right now I'm just gonna work very very hard to to get as fit as possible so if I'm picked to go to an assembly I can I can you know just just uh, try and get on the team one more question Anaki um this is going to be your second World Cup, and 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 that and that's going to be outstanding. Um, in these games against Canada and Japan, and in the World Cup, do you have what kind of expectations do you have results-wise, or is it a performance expectation? Meaning, you know, you want you guys want to play well, have you know 
defend well and 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 do or do you have results expectations or do you, or do you just leave those and just play as best you can and let the chips fall where they may um well against canada and if you ask any other usa player uh there's no question in, in my mind or anybody else's mind, I don't believe, that going into those games you're you're expecting just a performance and, and not to win. I mean, you, you want to win that match. You know, it's a very big rivalry and it's always physical and it's always uh, a high-energy game, you know. And um, I've played in only a ha- – not, not even a handful, only a couple of games in those games. And, I mean, when you lose against, against Canada, it's one of the teams that you know you can – you can beat, but, you know, just something happens that, that the result doesn't come out or you beat them and you're ecstatic, you know. But, um, I mean, as for the World Cup, I think I'm just going to, personally, uh, for me, I'm just going to try and uh, get on the team. And if I'm on the team, uh, get on the roster for the game. And if I'm on the starting lineup, just just start, like, playing as hard as possible just to, just to do my best and everybody do the best and the, the end result will... Will will show itself, and I mean, that's that's basically what what I personally want to do. And um, for the results, I I don't know what's going to happen, and and we'll see. All right. Well, uh, just a reminder to our listeners that uh, this show is brought to you by the USA Sevens international rugby tournament in las vegas in 2012 usa sevens is february 11th to 12th and the las vegas invitational which anybody can play in you just uh, go to uh to sign up your club is february 9th 10th and 11th go to usa7s.com for that and inaki basari a usa back row player and uh a professional with l'aquila who will be who is uh graciously uh, taken time away from his uh, family time in Paris to talk to us. We want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on Rugged Matrix. Thank you guys for having me. Anaki, thank you and uh, and good luck going forward and, and, and I think that you should be able to get two wins against Canada. That'll be pretty nice and I think that'll give a good lead up going into the World Cup, my friend. Have a good time. Thank you very much. And that was Inaki Basari. Uh, we're interviewed by uh, Bruce and me just uh, a little bit before, and, and uh, Pat, you were unable to uh, be at that uh, interview. But um, int- interesting guy and uh, an interesting player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one thing that jumped out to me was, you know, when he gets hurt, um, <laughs> the team asks him, "Who would you like to replace you? Who do you want us to bring in and potentially, you know, like more than you?" And and he selflessly said, "Well, I got this friend in the United States who I think pretty highly of, and and bring him in and and give him a look." I thought that was very classy of him, and and uh, and something that you probably wouldn't see in a whole lot of other professional sports setups. So I thought that was really cool. I think that also speaks to the the way that the USA players treat each other when they're in camp, and we heard this a lot in the the sevens side, and it happens obviously now in the in the fifteen side. Is that you're rooming with someone, you don't have uh, that player giving you the wrong calls or trying to undercut you in some way. When you're rooming with that guy, he's trying to help you. He's trying to help you make the team, which I think is. Um, that's one that's one of the great things about the way we put together this sport in this country and and the national team these guys if nothing else um they they seem to be fighting for each other as much as possible and and I hope they keep doing that 
also one thing that jumped out was you talked to him about his Latin American background. I'd love to see, you know, Anaki really kind of when he gets back and maybe retires from the game. I don't know if he's going to live in, in France, the United States, but I'd love to see him or, or some of the other few Latin Americans put in some time and really kind of get rugby into that culture. I was in Dallas, obviously, this weekend watching uh, Sevens, and, and the Harlequins have a, a guy named Gonzalo Ruiz who uh, I think he plays proper number eight or has played both in the Super League, who's a pretty darn good player and obviously of a Latin American descent. And there is talent there, untapped talent, that I would love to see Anaki and maybe Gonzalo kind of help explore down the road. Yeah, I think uh, Dallas area, or Texas, uh, Florida, and New York City probably good places. And then what they're doing with uh, play rugby in New York City is, is certainly a, uh, a breeding ground for Latin American. Players. Yeah, I was just I was actually on the phone with Christian Mayo of Play Rugby USA this morning, talking about um, uh, a thing that's happening in my town in Pleasantville. But he was telling me about a kid that just got accepted in the Xavier. Um, of Dominican descent, and he said the guy is absolutely fantastic, and that he's going to be a he's going to be a terrific player. We're, we're starting to get we're starting to get more and more guys, and, and um, Greenwich Greenwich Youth Program is is essentially run by a, a small base of Argentinians, and they have I think they have five or six hundred kids in the program. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, there'll be a lot more. Um, players of Latin descent playing and, and contributing to our game and in the near future, I think. Because it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good vehicle for them, especially education-wise and, and going to, um, you know, being able to go to Catholic schools, which is primarily they would be Catholic. So, and, and, and Catholic schools are primarily where the high schools play rugby so, and, and do it successfully. Point. So yeah. I think that, I think that It'll all segue into itself, so that'll be some good stuff. But that's anyway. a, that's, a, that's a great point. Inaki being the you know perhaps the, the first of maybe a long line, and Inaki Basari is in the 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 pool, the the fifty player pool that every team has to um, provide to the Rugby World Cup to say these are players that we are considering, and, and I guess that's supposed to be so that they can draw a circle around a certain player and say we don't want anyone to touch that player. Not a lot of surprises in that 50-man pool, and maybe one of them, one of the one of the players that the USA has 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 put a fence around is James Patterson, and and James uh, was born in New Zealand, uh, grew up in Colorado, played on the in, for Colorado Springs, and was captain of the USA under 19 team while he was there in Colorado and then went back to New Zealand and started playing in the NPC for Canterbury, uh, made the Super 15 team for them but but didn't play an awful lot, then moved on to the Otago Highlanders where he's been playing very well but he was injured and and, and here's, a, here's a Super 15 player. He's 24. He plays wing. Uh, a bit of fullback and center. He's prob- probably, as as his father told me, uh, he, he felt that fullback suited him down to the ground. So he's he's a pretty versatile outside back. Um, but he is injured right now. Uh, his father, John, coaches the Colorado Springs under nineteen team, which uh, Rugby Mag. Dot com ranked number two in the country this year, despite the fact they didn't go to the national championships because they 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 weren't able to. Uh, because Colorado didn't didn't send them, basically. Uh, That's a little bit of an aside. So uh, one of the – this is a guy that is an interesting addition because, number one, it means Patterson is declaring himself for the United States. Uh, Number two, we we don't know if that means he just wants to play in the World Cup or if he wants to do more because it's kind of tough how he balances it with the Super 15. 
Super 15 doesn't care what any other country does in terms of uh, you know making players available. But the third thing is that well he he's injured and he's going to be well. He's he's got a pec muscle problem. He's not going to be healthy to play until late August at the earliest. So it's going to be really touch and go. Do they put him on the World Cup squad hoping that he'll be healthy and also hoping to get some expertise because he's he's got a lot of experience against uh, players from Australia. He's played for Robbie Deans who coaches Australia. Um, he, he could be a great resource. So that was that was the big surprise that jumped out at me. Uh, and and uh, you know there are a few other guys that say, oh, it's interesting that they picked them or not. But that was the big one for me. For for me, it's it's the exclusion of um, of Atamalifa. He uh, you know, he's he's had a lot of injury problems throughout his career, but he's healthy now. I've seen him play um, for the last couple of months, both in the Division One playoffs and, and now a little bit of sevens. He looks to be in good form. Uh, he's playing really well. If he wasn't, you know, on that Glendale team, I don't know that they win this weekend in Denver. If he wasn't on the Glendale team, I don't think they, uh, I don't know that they make it all the way to the Division One National Championship. I think he's playing well, and, and it's not necessarily that I think he's playing so well that no matter who is there, he should be put in. But it, it, even if you don't think he's a fly half, that seems to be the consensus with people I talk to who are from Belmont Shore, from Glendale, or whoever. They don't think he's an international fly half. If you don't think that, that's fine. But I don't think that we've uh, settled on the idea that Volney Rouse is an international fly half. Um, yeah, I think the term uh, revolving door has been used by Bruce on the show uh, to describe the defense of, of Tyanosa. I don't think that that is uh, the same kind of description you would ever use to describe the defense of Atsum Alifa. I just think that this guy, for whatever reason, is being excluded um, from, from some of these lists, and maybe he should be given more of a chance. I don't know what the knock is. Maybe you guys can tell me. Uh, you, well, seen no, I, I, all I can give you is, is I'm, I'm concurring with you on this. Your starting fly half is Valanesi Malifa, his twin brother. So the point is you're getting a backup fly half. So if your starting fly half, Nessi Malifa, goes down, if you bring in his twin brother, I know their games are not identical. But they're pretty close. They're pretty, their skill set is pretty close. Their body type is identical. W- wouldn't that be the most seamless transition that you could possibly come up with considering all your other options? And I like Volney Rouse. I don't see why they hadn't just put Volney Rouse in and said sink or swim. We're going to make you our, our at least our backup guy and spend two years just working on that. I, I would have preferred to see that. But he's his twin brother. So why not have him as a potential backup? But who would you have? Who would you have taken off the list in order to in yeah. order to put him there? I mean, that's the that, that's, that's the real and and Tyanos is is is, is a leg, but Tyanos also brings something from an attacking standpoint that he, he while he has a lot of deficiencies in his defensive game and he he does bring something from the attacking standpoint that is quite valuable in that yeah. he you know. Sometimes when you're in a game and you need a try, you kind of need a guy to go on the field who can score a try, which is what happened against Russia. <laughs> thank God. And you know, I, I look at this and I, a couple of things kind of jumped out at me. Um, I thought Bachoven was 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 a pick that I had that I wouldn't have expected. Um, Ryan Chapman was a pick that I definitely wouldn't have expected. I'm not saying that that they would be that they're not good picks. I'm just saying that those are picks that I definitely wouldn't have expected. I thought that um, 
having three hookers and having Brian McClenahan as the third hooker. And I love Brian McClenahan. I think he's I think he's a tremendous player. I, I don't know how much he's been able to dedicate himself to being able being an international rugby player at this point in his life. And is that where we are in the hooker position that we we have to start choosing people who may you know may have work commitments and life commitments that perhaps take them away from from committing themselves 100% to being an international rugby player especially at a position that is as as specialized as the hooker position now one of the things they can do and and that has been bandied about and has been considered is move Mike McDonald into the middle and play with a giant front row and and use Mike as a thrower. Um, I, you know, that there is word that he has had been training as a thrower in, at Leeds. Now that all said, I did speak to Simon Hardy, who we did the, uh, the the coach talk with, who is the throw coach, and he goes to Leeds once a week. And he had never he he knows Mike McDonald and spoken to him and and done some things with him about that, but he also. Uh, but he is he he has never worked with him, so I, I don't know how much throwing he's done because you know I know Simon would work with him if he asked him. Tim Barford he worked with Tim Barford he's worked you know he'll work with anybody who asks him to work with him, so that's it's a couple there's a couple strange. I also thought that Alec Parker being in the team um, I, I understand it from a from a uh, from a standpoint of of experience, but. Is is he the Alec Parker that we remember? Young Alec Parker. Sometimes you look at you look at a guy and you bring up his name and you think that he's the same guy he used to be. It's like Derek Jeter is not the same Derek Jeter that won the four championships in in uh, from '96 to 2001 or 2000. You know, though, though that's not the same Derek Jeter that we see today. And I think that it's similar with Alec Parker. You know, I look at a guy like Brian Doyle who kind of fell out of favor. And and Brian Doyle to me at, at the AC, although we had a dreadful year, were uh, he played tremendously well. He was terrific. So I, you know, I just take a look and I and I'm looking around and I'm saying, I think that they have a team that they can that they can do some things with and and, and win some games with. Especially, I think that they can beat Canada, but I I think that they got to put a lot of things together extremely quickly. To make it happen, what I think they're looking at with someone like Parker is you're not going to get 80 minutes of an international level play from Parker, but you are going to get 15, 20 very uh, intelligent minutes from him. And he is, he, what is he, 36, 37? He's, he's, he's athletically, he's, he doesn't look that. He looks younger than that. Um, but it's, so many of these guys, you look and you say you're going to get one thing. Uh, what's what's Tom Catsby there for? To be a lineout guy and to win lineout. Well, um, fun, funnily enough, Tommy is actually a very good. He's a very good scrummager for a second row, especially a thin second row. And Tom, while everybody thinks of him as a basketball player, his dad was the president of, of the uh, Wisconsin Rugby Union for quite a while. And, and Tom's been playing rugby since he was 14. So a lot of people don't know that. He said he's been playing on terrible teams, but he's been playing rugby since he was 14. And 
and and I there are like if you if you take a look at the team, there are people who can really play, and people who like Samu Manoa is he going to play number eight or is he going to play second row? Does that free you know if 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 Samu Manoa is playing number eight, then you got Hayden Smith in the second row, and you can play Vandergeesen or or Louis Stanfield in the second row. How do they deal with the number six situation? How do they deal with the number seven situation? Is Todd a number seven or is Todd playing number six? You know, what, what are they – if in the event that they play McDonald up front, and that's, that's not anything it, – it's something that I heard several months ago that was bandied about that he had been throwing. That's, you know, and that's all I, that's all I knew. Now, you know, if but, Monte you know, th- can play – throwing's not the whole thing about being a hooker. It's not just about the throwing. I mean, the, the whole scr- – and I don't want to get into the scrum for a minute, you know – it's too long again, but this packing down in the scrum is completely different. Well, I I I do think that the transition from prop to hooker is is a lot more is a lot more seamless than the transition from hooker to prop. So he'll have like, if Mate is Mate Moyakiola going to play as well as he's capable, and if he is, that that's a that's a, is Sean Pittman going to play as well as he's capable. And 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 is and is Will Johnson going to be the Will Johnson that we saw against Ireland and Wales, in a couple of years ago when when they came over during the Lions tour? Now, if those are if those are going to be the players we get, then we have an opportunity. And I also think that Phil Teal and and Chris Biller can can bring something to the table there in their games as well. And you know, it's just a matter of what is going to be as we said before. They have to pick a team, and they have to go with that team and back that team and say these are the guys that we're going to go with. And I'm not saying you can't change one or two things based on form, but you, you're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to – these are going to be your guys. Now, Tom Katzvai is not going to go to the World Cup. That, no, you know, that he's no, he's not. not. He's, he's in a 50-man pool. Like Matt Hawkins almost certainly is not going to go to the World Cup. Cam Dolan probably is – you know, is, he's a guy who might be worth a trip. You know, I, I would love I would love to see Cam I would Dolan take go. Cam Dolan over Mark Bachoven, just out of the. I would take Cam Dolan over Alec Parker. Yes, I, I would too. Because I, I I think that you're going to get the same thing out of them, and 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 Cam's younger and to give him that experience. That now that's not to say that Alex Alex experience wouldn't play massively in in the. Um, in the atmosphere and the culture of what's going on at the World Cup, but th- those are things that I that I would really look at. You know, where does Troy Hall fit into this? Hey, Blaine Scully has essentially said, in my mind, Blaine Scully has said, "I'm starting," <laughs> and Taku Nguyen is starting, and Chris Wiles is starting. Now, is is Chris Wiles going to start at outside center? Or is he going to start at fullback? Where does that put Swearin? Is Swearin really a midfielder? Where does that put Suniula? Where does that put Where does that put uh, Paul Emmerich? You know, and and then when you look at Sedatuli Avuka, so they they have a lot of decisions that need to be made, and 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 that was the point of of what I was saying earlier, and and in previous podcasts. There are still so many decisions that need to be made. It's very difficult to make those decisions. They have to just make them, and and they have to decide straight out who are we going with, who's going to be our core of guys, and just keep practicing and practicing and practicing and so practicing until the, they get it right. 
the deal about this, just to remind people listening, is that everybody has to come up with a list of 50. So Canada came up with their list of 50. By the way, they listed three hookers too, although one of them was a captain. So you know, you know uh, Ryan's going to be starting for them pretty much every game. Um, they have to come up with their 50. So this isn't something that the USA is doing just willy-nilly saying, oh, here's 50. Everybody has to come up with that. We know from this list that there are at least – 23 players probably that you could just say, yeah, he's going, he's going, he's going, barring injury. So the question is how do you fill in all of those holes? And 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 like you said with those questions, Bruce, that the, the those are the things. What do you what do you do in this little spot? Do you pick someone, you know, like take Tyanosa. Tyanosa, the great thing about Tyanosa, he is he can play every backline position except Nine and twelve, and he could probably play nine for the last five minutes if somebody got hurt. You know, if there was a if there was a bad injury or a couple of rash of injuries or things like that, he could fill in at a bunch of different positions. That's probably what O'Sullivan is thinking. That's why he's he's useful. You've got all these little pieces to go in there, and and your your last five or six guys have to be able to play more than one position and have to be able. They have to give you options. In the forwards, he's got a bunch of guys who played a bunch of different positions. So Manoa and Lavala and Stanfill and Hayden Smith, uh, all of those guys can hop between second row and back row. That's wonderful. That's very useful. But in the hockey, and and in hockey, in hockey can go in. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. So there, maybe his decisions are different. Maybe his decisions there are. I want to get a specialist number seven, or I want to get you know whatever it is. He might just decide he wants somebody who's a, who's a specialist. And, and somebody you know, I mean, we haven't we haven't discussed Eric Fry. It's in my opinion, there's a lot of upside to Eric Fry, and I think that Eric Fry is going to be an excellent international prop. You know, you know, I think you know, Pat he has to lift his game. And and I think he's capable of lifting his game, but he has to lift his game. And I think that I, but I really think I, I'm, I think Eric Fry is going to be a guy who performs quite well in the World Cup, whether or not he gets the chance first or second game. But I think that, I think that he's going to be a guy that you would look at. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you look, and I know you're the scrum expert here, but there were some great shots of the USA Russia game where they had the camera above the scrum. And if you look at the scrum early on, uh, Pittman was rock, rock solid and straight. And on the, on the left side, Mate Mochiola was being pinched in, was, was really not able to do anything with that Russian, uh, with the, the Russian tighthead. And the Russian tighthead was squeezing in on Chris Biller. And I don't think Chris Biller had the greatest game, but the poor guy almost had his head popped off for the first five or six scrums. When you look at the scrum when Eric Fry came in for Mochiola, it was very different and it was much more solid and he took care of that uh, tight head much better and got that, that scrum straighter and it was a little bit more solid as a result. So just – you know, Mochiola had a lot of um, big runs and offensively he looked, he looked good. But Fry does a whole bunch of good stuff defensively and in the set piece. And I mean – you know, for my money, I would want I would want Fry on the field. Um, I, I really like the kid. I think I think that he's I think that he's terrific. And and now that said, I mean, if if you're willing to try 
Mike McDonald at hooker, is it worth trying Mate at hooker too? I mean, you know, or or saying the Phil Teal or Chris Biller or one. I think that hooker, hooker, uh, your front row, you, you kind of got to treat like a quarterback. Like I, I know that your fly half and scrum half, you got to treat like a quarterback. Like he's my guy, and we're going with him. And and it's a big confidence thing. I think that's also very similar in the front row. Like it, they're, they're kind of like an offensive line. They kind of want to. They want to know do you believe in them. They want to know you love them, and they want to know that that you, you trust them. And 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 there are some guys there that that have have put in a lot of time. And I, th- I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna come around. I actually think the team is gonna come around pretty nicely. I you know I think that they they're they're in a hiccup area and they're wow. trying to learn their systems. I do think the team will come around nicely. Positivity I, I, from Bruce. I, I hope that the team comes around nicely. And the other thing that I noticed off of this was the lack of anything from the collegiate ranks. Now, whether or not that you know that, does that say is that by design or 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 is that due to lack of availability from from school or whatever it is i think it has to be availability i did notice an enormous amount of not an enormous i I did notice that there's really nothing in that list outside of um is outside of threaten that's from a uh that's from a college program and 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 i would I would be very highly surprised if Threaten was even able to go to camp or do anything. Outside of Threaten, Blaine Scully, and Cam Dolan, who are all on this list, I think, I mean, those guys are the most physically mature, ready to go play international rugby, three guys that I could think of in college rugby. Who's, who would you like to see? I don't know if there's anybody that uh, I don't Ryan think. Ryan Roundy? Roundy? Ryan Roundy is a tweener still. I mean, Ryan Roundy is, and this is a guy that we didn't mention earlier. He reminds me a lot of Peter Dolan in terms of his body size and the position he plays. He's not big enough, and he's nowhere near the size of any of the other back rows in this list of 50. So where do you fit him in a, in a 15s? I love Ryan. I'm as big a Ryan Roundy fan as there is in the country. But the guy is just he's – he's 6'1 um, on a good day. I don't think he's much bigger than that. So you're going to put him out there in the second row because that doesn't follow no. the M.O. Where Eddie picks his back, or, I'm no, sorry, no, back no, you're, you're, no, you're right, and uh, you, you're you're absolutely right, and and I think it's totally availability because this is a, a squad that has to be available uh, from from August through into October, and you know they're not nobody's picking them to make the quarterfinals, but if they make the quarter, these players have to be available to do that. Uh, I uh, think Scully, well, Scully's pretty much done. Switch. He's great, right? He's graduated. He's, he's done. I don't know that he's graduated. I think he graduates in December, but um, but he's done with his collegiate career. And and Dolan, I mean, you know, he's been around. He he he's been there, done that on 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 different levels for the USA for a while. So I think that that's that's a, a fully legitimate pick. And you know, when Threaten again, I don't think Threaten's going to be available. I think he's on the list. I'm not. Right. You know, I, which, I would which, be. Yeah. It, I, I think I think that's a hail mary. Absolutely, and I think that if I – that goes for my argument with Malifa. If I think Malifa should be on the list, if I'm Atta Malifa, I'm angry. The list can change. Um, you know, they, they're not married to this list. It's, it's a uh, – yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I look, I don't know why 
and I'm not saying that there's a ton of guys in college who could or should be on this list. That's that's not what I'm. I just noticed that there was almost nobody. And, yeah, I th- and, well, I, th- I think you, I, I, I think you got to address it. Yeah, I considered threaten a not really a non-college player at this point. He, he's a, he's a football player, and Blaine I considered a man because he's graduated. So I, I didn't I didn't consider him as a. And then Cam is really the only one. And I don't know how old Cam is now. I guess he's probably twenty one, twenty two. So, um, but yeah, that's. Hey, I I think that is that's I don't know what that says about. I I think I think it's about availability more than anything else. Uh, it, the these are we don't have any other college players who really that they've they've put on the team or tried out this summer, have we? No, we haven't, but, we haven't seen anybody else. Uh, so, so you know, I, I, I that's, I, you know, is that's your list, and you've got a couple of guys who would, who are fresh out of college or close to, you know, um, you know, Scott Lavalle is fresh out of college. He's he's another guy. He's just been in a situation where he's been available a lot. So, um, I, I did want to I did want to ask because we were bouncing off positions and. Who slides where? This is something that I've mentioned to Alex off the air, and it's something that I've mentioned to a lot of people who ask me about what do I think about the Eagles. Is And I want to bounce this off you guys here on the air is Paul Emmerich, an inside center. It seems like every time Eddie picks an inside center, it's either Junior Sifa or Suniula or Tui Lavuka. It's got to be some massive Polynesian player playing inside center. Paul Emmerich, in my mind – now, Andrew Suniula made some good runs – uh, against Russia. There's no doubt about it. He also made some terrible passes. But in my mind, for my money, Emmerich hits as hard, runs as hard, and is as tough to tackle as any of those other guys I just mentioned, which is what you would want from a big inside center. Why Why is he not playing 12 more? Am I off base? Could he be a 12, or is that just in my mind? I love the idea of Emmerich at 12. And I actually I, – I interviewed Andrew Suniula this past week. Uh, he was pretty upset with himself about his passes because he's, he said, I, I like to think that's a big part of my game. I'm, I'm actually very – take great pride in my passing. So for my passing to be that bad, I was, I was pretty upset about it. But having said that, you're, I, I think you make – you're right there, Pat. USA coaches always seem to want to pick – uh, either a big guy on inside center, or Seif is not a big guy, but he's he's shifty and he squeezes through. And that was that was a Scott Johnson thing. Scott Johnson wanted a second five eight. He wanted a second fly half at uh, at uh, inside center. And we 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 don't have two fly halves, you know, a backup fly half. Why are we going to put one on starting in the in the midfield? I love Emmerich, the idea of Emmerich at inside center, and he played a little bit of it. And I, wa- I saw some film of him playing a little bit of it for Malone, the club he was loaning out to in Ireland, and he looked fine. And then you look at it and say, where do we have depth? Well, we have a bunch of guys who can play wing. So now if you put Emmerich at 12, who do you have at 13? Kevin Swearin or Chris Wiles. Or Setatui Lavuka. Or Setatui Lavuka. Yeah, he's got to get a- another chance to really show what he can do. Uh, and and get some space and some ability to run, uh, but then then you've got all the list of all the people who have played relatively well on the wing. Hawley's played great. I li- actually really liked what Anosa did the last twenty minutes against Russia. Um, and a, a, a quick aside here against Russia, Blaine Scully 
fielded the ball. He ran an angle away from the forwards to start the counterattack. He was supposed to scissor with Paul Emmerich, and he did it a bit late. Not a great pass. Emmerich dropped it. But if you watch the replay of that counterattack, he has an option to to scissor with Hawley coming in off the wing, which he doesn't do. And you look at that replay, and there is a big old hole for Hawley to run through. So 10 minutes later, exact, 15 minutes later, exactly the same thing happens. And this time, Hawley's not on, but it's Inosa. And Scully does exactly the same run. It's clearly a planned move. He scissors with he, – he doesn't, he doesn't do the switch with Inosa. Inosa has run the same line that Hawley did. And then he does switch with Emmerich. Emmerich links with Andrew Suniula. And Enosa has gone through the hole he would have gotten had he had the ball and continued to run, curving back in toward the ball, and he gets the return pass and scores a try. It's clearly a planned move because you look at it, it's constructed exactly the same way both times. And the reason I bring it up apart from that is is that it also shows to me that Ty Enosa was paying attention in training because Colin Hawley, who's been in the national team set up longer and has been working harder and and perhaps maybe somebody would say he's more studious he went to cal you know and he's he's a smart guy i i don't think anybody's surprised that colin hawley ran his pass pattern exactly right but you look and tyanosa did it exactly right too so even though tyanosa he didn't go to cal and he's and he's a very quiet guy and maybe a little bit shy guy's been listening so I, I, in defense of Tyanosa, he's a smart guy. You've got a ton of those guys there to go on the wing. And I realize it's a long thing. And don't forget the other guy who could play outside center or wing or fullback would be James Patterson. But I love Emmerich at center. Emmerich's a power runner, but there's three things you can do when you can get the ball. You can kick it, you can pass it, or you can run it. Well, you could take out number one and you could take out number two. So all he's got is the running it. And it's very easy to defend somebody who doesn't have all three options in the arsenal. And well, when you're does? doing it... I'm, no, well, I, 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 I got I to disagree that Emmerich can't pass it. I think he can I'm not, pass I'm it. Not, I, Emmerich, Emmerich as, as a club player, can pass it. And I, I think that, that Emmerich's passing game, as far as being an international player or World Cup player, is not... Would, I wouldn't consider it to be one of his strengths. I think that Emmerich's atmosphere, attitude, hardness, and, and those types of things make make him a, a, a great international player. But his kicking game and his passing game, I would not put that as an area that makes him a great international player. And, and I just think that when you place limitations that close in, in a back line that – you 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 become a bit predictable. It's it's not. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's yeah. not that it wouldn't work. I'm just saying that you can become predictable, and you have to think of ways to 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 not be as predictable because these teams are looking at what they're. These teams are going to be looking at videos, and they're going to know strengths and weaknesses of these players. And 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 if they see something like that, they. They may start to tee off on it, and and they may also, you know, close the door on the outside with with some with some jam defenses outside of them, and and possibly look for cheap interceptions. So I'm, 
you know, and, and, and the weather in New Zealand probably is not going to be of the highest order. Now, the, the flip side of that is that Paul has played very successfully in Wales, which the weather will be very similar to, to Welsh weather. So he'll be able to power run through that stuff. It, it, these are difficult choices, and, and that's why I had big problems with the way the selections were done in November and the way the selections were done this last assembly and, and some selections prior. Is, is that it seemed like we were playing to cover ourselves and, and not really look bad. But I think that at the end of the day, now, now we're sitting with – we're a month or we're, – we're, we're an assembly out from the World Cup, and we don't know who our team is. Yeah, you know, if uh, if they if defense is key on Paul Emmerich, I think he'd love that. But I think you know, your point's well taken. Um, whoever it is, it, you know, it, it's it's not just it's not just the personnel. And and Pat, I I think I mean you see that in all kinds of sports that people say well, that our team isn't doing this, so we need someone else. Maybe it's a case of just being clearer and focusing on who you have and trying to make make those things work and I, I think that speaks to what what Bruce has been saying if you have your team now and you look down and say that this is our this is our first 15 and, and here are our, our seven eight subs and let's work on these guys and let's see what we have and let's work get get the best out of every one of those and make sure everyone works together that would be great I mean the the, the most fun I ever had in rugby was when I played on a back row with two other – well, two good back row players. I won't say two other good back row players. When I played on the same back row when we played um, – we had played two years together when we finally – we it, things finally clicked. And we loved playing together because we played together for a while and we understood each other. And I think that's the same throughout the game. I think – you know, I, I used to cover the Kansas City Chiefs on a pretty full-time basis. But a couple of years ago, um, the Chiefs had one of the most putrid offensive lines, if not the worst, in the NFL. And this was a Herm Edwards coach team, and, and he said – the whole – throughout the training camp was give them time together. They need time together. The more time, they're going to gel. And a lot of people have that philosophy with the offensive line. I'm not saying it's a flawed philosophy. But if you have crappy uh, – if you have a crappy selection or a bad group, uh, a subpar group of players playing together for a long time, they may be gelled, but they're going to be a gelled subpar group of players. So making the right decisions is is key in that. I, obviously, the amount of time anybody spends together is going to heighten their awareness to what each other going to do and, and, and how they're going to be. And, and I do think they need to pretty much set their, their, their lineup where they want it to be and go with that and maybe make two or three changes during these Canadian and, and the Japan games. Um, but But time together... Uh, you know, it's it's not practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect, or some saying like that. Time together is not necessarily gonna gonna make these guys a better team unless it's the, the right selection is playing together. Practice makes permanent. Perfect practice makes perfect. So if you practice, that's all exactly. Right. Well, so yes. The uh, moral of the story is selections matter here. It, 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 make the right selections, get them together, and let them play together, and then then that's a winning combination. Well, there's more than one way to skin a cat, and I guess there's more than one way to pluck an eagle. We've still got a lot of stuff to work on for the eagles in terms of uh, who's going to be on that team and what are the combinations that are going to work. Uh, but we are out of time. We wanted to talk about some college rugby stuff, and we're probably going to touch on that uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, we've just too much stuff to talk about. 
with the Eagles and uh, and I really enjoyed the show. We had a great visit with Anaki Basari. Really appreciate him uh, taking the time out from his family visit to talk to us. And Bruce McLean, great job as always. He's off to get a new cast on his arm and Pat McClifton is back from Dallas, his big road trip to Dallas and safe and sound in Kansas City. And I am safe and sound here in the state of Washington. This is your rugby magazine and rugbymag.com editor-in-chief Alex Goff saying thanks for listening to Rugga Matrix America.